How many of you heed what David said there? You know, I, uh, we are living in changing times. We're living in a season where I was reading an article not too long ago, but the greatest interest in young people today, our teenagers today, is in the area of the supernatural. The area in the, in the spirit realm. The most watched movies by young people today, uh, actually, second to porn, actually. Porn is number one with young people. But a lot of action movies, but spiritual movies that have this spirit realm. Uh, the Walking Dead, things like that. Those things are all connected uh, with that kind of thing. And so... I think we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen? Some of you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, this just doesn't really relate with me. And maybe not to you, but maybe to someone you know. Maybe the Lord wants you to think about, wow, I know somebody right now. In fact, I believe all of us know someone that's been connected in that realm. And by the way, all of this witchcraft comes back to one single thing, and it's idolatry. It's not, just the, it's not the worship of the devil, it's the worship of self. Placing self at the center. In fact, do you know that that is the foundation to humanism? Is the worship and the exaltation of self. It's a dangerous thing. You know, before I go any further, could you turn me down here, Neem, uh, get a little feedback? I want Jerry to come up. Jerry has had a, an amazing miracle. Aren't you glad to see her walking today? Praise God, and she's doing so well. You can, you can stand at it, whatever you want to do. It should be on. People are bringing food over. My awesome sister is here for three weeks to make sure I don't get out of my chair the wrong way or something, but it's just been miraculous. The physical, I'm really, really grateful for when this whole thing started. Let's see, at the time... My air conditioner was out in my house. The plumbing was backing up. My car was in the shop for about the fourth time, and I was barely walking. And I was crying on Neam's shoulder one time, telling him, I can't do this, I can't do this. <laughs> and, you know, of course, he encouraged me. Everybody knows Neam. But the, the, I have to tell you how this happened. Um, I've had my surgery, so everything's fine. I'm up they're, they're trying to tell me, slow down, don't do so much, because I feel so good that I am. But I want to tell you how it came about is I was saying, I can't do this. This is too much. I can't, I can't. I can't be off work. I can't afford a $3,000 deductible. I can't afford to you know, not get my paycheck. I can't, I can't, because I really was overwhelmed, and I know I'm not the only one that that happens to. But at some point, there came a shift just from people saying, you know, I'm praying for you, and you can do this, and... And there came a shift where I said, all right, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know God will make a way for me. He always has. And so my thinking started shifting. And, you know, that's where everything gets fixed is when your thinking starts shifting. And my thinking started shifting. I was like, oh, Lord, how am I going to be off work for six weeks? How am I going to meet that $3,000 deductible? How am I going to pay the whatever it is for the surgery? How how am I going to do that rather than I can't? You'll make a way if it's going to happen for me. And I have to tell you, the weirdest thing in this whole thing is, I cannot figure out how I got to that $3,000 deductible, because I don't go to the doctor a lot, 
and so I don't run up doctor bills, and I can't figure out how I got there. So just praise God for that, because it was just unanswerable. And so everything was covered, and the doctor was just completely pleased with the surgery. He sought out my sister and my daughter, who was there waiting at the surgery for me. So that's another thing. I um, sought them out and said, oh, my gosh, we are so happy with the results. Everything went exactly what it was supposed to. She's not going to have any residual. Everything was wonderful. But for me, this process has, the best thing for me is, yes, I'm glad my back is fixed. I don't have my cane and all that. But the thinking of my, how my thinking changed from I can't do this to how are you going to do it for me, God, because I can't do this. So I'm really grateful you know, there's always something that you get out of this process, and it's not always something you can see. So I'm going to take that lesson. Next time something comes up, which it will, how are we going to do this, God? How are you going to take care of this for me? And hopefully encourage somebody else in that same way. So I am really grateful to all of you for all the prayers and all the, you know, helping me with open the door and <laughs> Neon bringing my car around. I mean, every little thing mattered to me, and I'm really grateful. So thank you. Praise God. You know, it's also awesome to have Jerry's sister here from Arizona, and it's so good to have her. She's here, and uh, you know, I forgot, what was your first name? Sherry? Jerry, Jerry, all right. You know, I wanted to just say, uh, the Lord kind of just gave me a word actually yesterday when we were at the house, or maybe it was the day before, but... uh, you just have a, a big heart. You have a, a real servant spirit. And uh, the Lord just said that he's planted you by a river. He, he's going to water you. You've gone through a season in your own life. I know you're married, but I just felt like I saw a cloud. But it wasn't a bad cloud. But it was a cloud. It was his presence, favor, and just raining on you. You, you're a giver. You're just a giving-hearted man. You'd give anything away. and you, You're a detailed individual as well, but I just felt like the Lord just says that he, he wants to water, refresh. And uh, your best days are ahead. Just look forward to expect some amazing things in your life. You know, I wanted to say, too, that, you know, we serve... Not just a big God, but a good God. Amen. You drop my volume here. I just felt like the Lord say that there's been some people that have gone through, uh, maybe a few people are going through some serious financial uh, hits. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. But I, I, I do feel like the Lord is saying that if you'll trust me and you'll commit your way to the Lord, and you'll, God, you'll see God begin to work for you. I, I have never, the Bible says, David said this in Psalms, it says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed beg for bread. That's not, that's not the inheritance of a believer. You'll never beg for bread. God wants you to be above. I'm going to believe he really wants to prosper and bless do you know that you being blessed is a key to letting your light shine? And, and so God wants to touch anyone here in the area of their finances. And secondly, there's one other last thing I want to share here, is that, that 
I, I really feel that someone has been wrestling with self-hatred. And that's not from God. You are a child of God. You are a gift in His sight. And we need to stop listening to the chatter in our heads that says that you're worthless, that God has passed you by. That is a lie from the enemy. That's not from the Lord. That's a lie from the enemy. I want to just pray for you right now. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that it's your goodness and your mercy that follows us all the days of our lives. We will dwell in your house forever. We thank you, Father, that you're a great God, and we love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. If you turn with me to Matthew 9, just for a few minutes, I know that we've received a tremendous amount of impartation already this morning. Oh, by the way, I have another announcement. Um, We need a weed eater, a person who can weed eat our church property, and we are willing to pay you. Uh, And if you need a little extra money, I want you to contact me. Uh, We need uh, this on our church property here. If you would like a job to make some money and help us out, that would greatly be a blessing to us if you can. Hopefully we'll be a blessing to you as well. So let me know if that's you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Matthew 9, verse 9. And Jesus passed on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. And it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that's the house of Matthew, that many tax collectors... And sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what that means. For I desire mercy. Can everyone say that with me? I desire mercy. One more time. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Can you say man? Aren't you thankful for the mercy of the Lord? You know, none of us deserve His mercy. Here we have a scene, first of all, starting out that Jesus comes by the tax office. Amen. How many of you know some amazing things can happen at your tax office? Not just them collecting your taxes, but maybe you might run into a Matthew there. And God may want you to invite Matthew over to your house. But Jesus says to Matthew, follow me. Now, interesting, notice where Jesus leads him. The very next verse says they end up at Matthew's house. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said to follow me, but he followed him right to his house. Do you know when you begin to follow Jesus, it will always take you back home? 
it will always take you back home because God wants to heal your home. He wants to show mercy first in your home. Following Jesus is not going halfway around the world on a mission field. I was sharing this with my uh, group this morning. That years ago, I ran into a young man who was sitting with me, and we were in a ministry called Donkeys for Jesus, and we were taking Bibles uh, into China, up into Guangzhou, out of Kowloon, out of Hong Kong. We were taking these Bibles up, and I was sitting next to a young man who was very disturbed and very restless. There was no peace on him, and I, I didn't know him. But he was the partner that I was linked up. We went two by two, taking Bibles for three days into Guangzhou, into China. And while we were on our way, I was on the train sitting with this young man, and I could tell he was really upset, very disturbed. And I said, everything okay with you? Well, not really. Kind of snapped back. No, not really. I said, okay. And I said, well, what's going on? Well, I just got a... A letter from my wife back in Missouri, and she's all upset because we don't have enough money, and the bills aren't getting paid, and this and that's not happening. And, and I said, so wait a minute. You're here taking Bibles into Hong Kong or into China. What's, where's your wife? Well, she's back in Missouri, and, and we don't see eye to eye because um, she doesn't have a call to China like I do. So I said, how, how long have you guys been apart? Oh, over six months. And I told her she needs to get a job and she just needs to get right with God and things will be fine. But I'm serving God, taking Bibles into China. Bless God. After all, Jesus said that a man who's not willing to forsake his home, his house, his father, his mother, and take up his cross and follow me, he's not worthy. So I'm following Jesus. And I said, brother, You've got it wrong. Your first ministry is your home. Not around the world to China. He didn't take that. I'm called to China. I can't help that she doesn't want to submit to me. And I said, well, are you worth submitting to? My Bible says that husbands love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave Himself. My f- ministry starts at home. Not around the world, not around chasing for my ministry, but it starts, my first convert needs to be my wife. Needs to be my children. But I told this brother, I said, listen, what if you go home And you begin to work with your wife. And you begin to love your wife like Christ loved the church. (laughs) No way. Oh man, Pastor Rowdy, you you can't believe the battle axe I married. Exact words out of his mouth. She's a battle axe. I said, right there, you've just built a wall and you have armed her with a defense where she won't even talk to you. And then you start tearing people down by calling them names. I said, that's, that's not the mercy of the Lord. That's not God's love. That's not his approach. He loves you. And I said, you know what? You will never be effective in China ministering until you first 
learn to receive mercy and show mercy with the ones that God has placed in your life. I said, I recommend you go home. Nope. Not going to. Anyway, we took Bibles up into China, came back into Kowloon that day. I never saw him again. I don't know where he ended up. But it was so sad to see a man who, by the way, do you know that you can make ministry an idol? Yeah, but I've got to serve God. No, it can become, I, I've seen men and women make ministry their idolatry. I want to tell you something. Anytime God really gives you something, listen to me. Whatever He gives to you, He will test it by pulling it away. God gave Abraham a promise. He says, I'm going to give you a son. 20 years later, God says, now give me your son back. I want you to kill him. What? You just gave me the promise, God. What do you mean kill him? Want you to take him up to Mount Moriah, Genesis 22. Offer him as a living sacrifice. No way. Abraham followed through with the promise, and God provided for him himself around. But but see, here's here's the thing. The reason why he could sacrifice is because he knew the mercy, he knew the love of God. Here we find in this passage that Jesus is sitting down and he is eating with people that are defiled according to the customs of the Jews. These are defiled people. These are sinners. And Jesus is eating with them. And what he's doing is as he's eating with them, the Pharisees, their temperature and their stress levels are beginning to rise. They're getting upset that Jesus is even in the house of Matthew, this thief. They were known thieves. They were known traitors among the Jewish people. They were called publicans. Not republicans, but publicans. They were called publicans, which was a Jew who worked for Rome. That's what they called him, a publican. And so here, Jesus is eating with them, and the Pharisees are saying, why? Why would you eat with those kind of people? Because I desire mercy. How many of you know that? I want you to write three things down. This is what mercy does. Mercy does three things. Number one, mercy disarms. Everyone say disarms. It disarms the wall of defenses that people have around them. Do you know that we live right now in a very divisive, fighting society? Right now, people are suing people. Boy, I tell you, if you want a good income, just be a lawyer. They're so busy in the... People are suing anybody for everything. They're suing people. People are mad at people. People are divided. People are writing people off. People are casting people out. They don't like... We live in a a very divided, demonic society. But true mercy is what disarms people from their defenses so they can actually draw close. The second thing that mercy will do in our lives is when we begin to walk in the mercy, is mercy will create an atmosphere where people can actually relax. How many of you like to go to people's house where you can relax? You don't want to go to somebody's house where you're all tense. But, but see, mercy creates an atmosphere where people... I, I want everybody to say relax. Do you know that one of the most stressful places in America is church? I'm not kidding. 
One of the most stressful places that people do not like to come to is church. Guess why? Because they actually believe that the preacher is going to smack the tar out of them. Let them know. Then they're sitting next to that spouse. That one was for you, honey. So no wonder they stay away, stay home. I'm not going to church. Too much stress in my life. Now, I'm not suggesting that we preach messages that are just seeker-sensitive, seeker-friendly. There's times where the Holy Spirit's going to bring some adjustment and correction. The Bible says, for whom the Lord loves, He actually adjusts and corrects. That's part of the love of God. It's not just smoothing you over. But here, the the second thing is that, that God begins, He wants you to relax. He wants you to experience the freedom of just resting. Everyone say rest. The mercy of God, in spite of the condition of the hardness of your heart, God's mercy, first and foremost, will begin to help you to become disarmed. Secondly, you create an atmosphere where you can relax. Some people are so tense, even in counseling. I've noticed many times that in counseling, I have people think that when they come, you know, I have this happen a lot. When I'll just give a person a call, and guess what? Say, Pastor Ray, what did I do wrong? Nothing. I just need to talk to you about something at the church. Oh, oh thank God. I didn't do it. They think they're going to the principal's office. You know, that's one of the stigmas I wasn't planning on when I came into the ministry. I, I, you know, the Gestapo is calling us. You know, how sad. Some people have those strongholds in their brain. Now, maybe those strongholds are real because somewhere in their past, and so they stereotype and they whitewash every pastor. This pastor, he's a control freak. That's what he is. He's a control freak. Got to control everything. Now, sometimes people don't want any control at all. That's not the Holy Spirit either. But we find here that the third thing is this, is that mercy attracts. Not only mercy disarms, it relaxes, and it attracts. Everyone say attracts. Do you know that God wants you to be attractive? He wants you to be attractive in your life. Amen? Now, I want you to see something. Jump over with me to Ephesians chapter Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, and you, verse 1. He is made alive who were dead. We were dead in our sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts or desires of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, I love this, verse 3, but God, verse 4, who is rich in what? He's rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead. When we were dead. What does it mean to be dead in sin? It means that there is no connection. To be dead means that you are separated. 
from the very life, the truth, the love, the very nature, the heart of God. The Bible says when I was in the depths of my anger and my pain and my hostility and by wicked works I was walking in the, in the wages of sin, living in death, the Bible says when you were dead, Christ died. And He loved you, the Bible says. We're rich in mercy. He made us alive. What does mercy do? The first thing that mercy does, it makes us alive. All of a sudden, you come alive. You start breathing again. Start hoping again. You actually start getting happy. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm happy. Praise God. Now, I know what some of you are saying right there. You know, Pastor Ray, you just asked me to fake it. You just asked me to fake it. That's right! I want everybody to say this. Sometimes, I have to fake it. Oh my God, that's deception. Do you know that walking by faith doesn't always mean you walk by feelings? Sometimes it seems like you're faking it. But you know what? The more you walk, the more you're convinced. The more you do it. Here's a story, short story. When I started my lifestyle change two years ago and I started eating right, guess what? I started saying, Ray, you're skinny. Ray, you really love broccoli. Ray, you really love those vegetables. Ray, you really love eating smaller portions. I was faking it. I remember my little granddaughter, Reagan. She says, Grandpa, you say you like it, but do you really? Do you really? I said, well, I'm on the way to liking it. One thing you don't do is you don't lie to your granddaughter. But see, sometimes faith involves actions that seem like you're faking it. Because your nature is so contrary to what the real normal is. And you see, it wasn't until I began to lose weight and I began to eat right that my taste... Do you know why diets don't work? Diets don't work because in our subconscious mind, we want to reward ourselves with everything we've been keeping ourselves from. I used to do that. Seven days without Coca-Cola, but when Saturday comes, man, I'm pulling out the six cans of Coke and I'm dropping them like a fly. I rewarded myself, and guess what? See, you cannot make a change without changing your taste. That applies spiritually. And sometimes we have to confess. Today someone's talked about speaking and moving mountains. Do you know that moving mountains, do you know that when you speak a word that heaven binds it, when earth agrees with it, do you know that you actually are moving the mountain even though you don't see that mountain move? You may not see a mountain, but that mountain's moved because you said it. Yeah, but I don't see any evidence. That doesn't matter. God's looking for somebody on earth to speak faith. That mount may be there, the giant may be big, but you're speaking a word and it looks like you're faking it. Boy, some of you are awful quiet right now. Because see, faith, you don't often see 
instant results. It seems like you're, fa- you're not faking it because you're standing on the living Word. And so when, G- when, when the Apostle Paul here says that mercy makes us alive in faith and with Christ, by grace you've been saved and raised us up. Not only were we made alive, but mercy raises us up together and makes us sit. Everyone say sit. We are seated with Christ in a place of authority. Next with Jesus, seated. Everyone say, I want you to get this position. I'm seated. That's what mercy does. His mercy raises us, makes us alive, and seats us together with Him. That means there is a, there is a, 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 a godly and a powerful kingdom authority that rests on your life because of His mercy. That's the mercy of the Lord. Amen? The mercy of the Lord. Raised us and made us to sit together in heavenly places and that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jump over with me to chapter 4 in Ephesians. Chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. Notice what it says in verse 25. Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5. It's Ephesians 5, verse 25. It says this. Actually, let's go down to verse 28. So husbands... Paul is bringing a parallel between Christ and the church. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Let me say that again. He who loves his wife loves himself. Let me tell you, if there's no capacity to love your wife, it's because you truly don't love yourself. I don't understand. Well, pastor, you just don't know who I'm living with. I don't have to. I don't have to. But the Bible says if you love your wife, because here's, here's what. Being filled with the Spirit. Do you know what it means to be filled with the Spirit? To be filled means to be overflowing. And so when I'm filled with God, it overflows even to the people that I might not even feel comfortable with. You know, yesterday, my son Aaron, we celebrated his 30th should I advertise that? My son, I just did. Aaron, Aaron is now 30. He's my youngest son and young and handsome and married, married to a granddaughter. We were on our way to the restaurant yesterday. And I had, hap- had, I had a little bit of road rage happen to me. My wife and I were going down 190 on the service road. And all of a sudden, an F-250 cut in front of me. He cut and stopped and scared me. And I kept going. But behind him, he had stopped traffic because he was in the wrong lane. But behind him, a car in an SUV just railed on the horn on this F-250 because they were mad that this F-250 was stopping all the traffic. 
Well, I go by, and I go under the underpass. We're coming back. We were going over here to the Texas Roadhouse. And when I get to the Texas Roadhouse, this guy comes right behind Carol and me in our car, pulls up, gets out of the car, and says, who do you think you are? I said, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what you did back there. I said, uh, help me out. And he's looking at me surprised. He says, how dare you rail on the horn like that? I said, sir, I didn't touch my horn. I said, it was the car behind you that blew his horn. Oh, oh, so, sorry. Uh, sorry about that. I, I, I didn't know. And, and, and right then, the Holy Spirit gives me a word of knowledge and says, this, this guy's having a bad day. <laughs> this guy's having a bad day. And so I said, you know, I said, you know what, the, the rest of your day is going to be better. And, you know, I said, God really loves you. Yeah, 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 right, right, yeah. Oh, th- thank you. Sorry to bother you. Hops back in his truck, takes off. I said, the, the rest of your day is going to be better. You know, it's amazing how a soft answer turns away wrath. And, you know, sometimes we, we need to learn to show mercy even when things happen like that. But the Bible says that Jesus loved the church. You know, one of the best ways that Christ shows he loves the church is that we learn to honor those people that are really on the edge, going through a difficult time. But here Jesus, or Paul says here, that for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Amen? I'm going to share a quick story in a, of the Scripture, and I'm going to close. Several years ago, when I was in the third grade, how many of you can remember when you were in the third grade? I, I remember an episode that really marked my life concerning the mercy of the Lord. And my third grade year was not a good year. I, uh, my dad, back in those days, if you got sent to the principal's office, Every public school did a paddling. They did paddles. How many of you remember those days? Some of us, okay, you don't have to raise your hands. It's dating us big time. Thanks to Oprah and Dr. Phil, those days are gone. But, uh, but um, anyway, I, uh, I was in a class where I had a teacher that was under an old school of thinking and believed that one of the ways you get a child to do better is through intimidation. And you've got to really put the fear in them. You've got to really hit them hard. And uh, I, I got into a lot of trouble as a third grader. I was kind of suicidal, psychotic, needed some help, you know. But, uh, but I remember my own dad said this. My dad says, now, if you ever come home with a bad mark, I'm going to whip your butt. Good boy. So I did not like school because that was the motivation, was to go to school to get good grades so I wouldn't get whipped. And uh, I remember we were at school one day, and I had a really close friend. And he was my buddy in school. His name was Matthew, too. And he was a good friend of mine. Well, we had a fire drill. And I'd never been in a fire drill before. We just moved into that area, first year in that area. And I was in the third grade. 
And I was in the first of the line. Matthew was behind me. And we're marching out. But my teacher was at the end of the line. And when we came outside, I saw two massive fire trucks. Huge fire trucks. Well, I took off after the fire trucks. And the firemen, the firemen actually opened the door and let me sit in the front seat he put a hat on me that was like a Texas hat and it went over my eyes and I was holding on to the steering wheel. I was in, I was in King Heaven, man, sitting in a fire truck. Matthew was in the back and all of a sudden, here comes Mrs. Mallory. My third grade, Raymond Gallagher. Matthew, I can't remember Matthew's last name. Matthew and Raymond, you come down here. And the, and the fireman, the driver, he said, oh, Mrs., I, I, I let him up there. I, I let him in. By the way, they don't have all the regulations they used to have. I mean, but I, I ran and I sat in the driver's seat and I, I thought I had just arrived. But I wasn't thinking of the consequences. Because here comes my teacher. And she comes up, and the fireman was literally saying, ma'am, it was my fault. I led him up there. Don't, don't be too hard. Well, that didn't matter to Mrs. Mallory. She took a hold of my ear, and she took a hold of Matthew's ear, and she took us by the ears, and she was taking us right into the principal. And I remember her just pulling my ear like this, and we're going into the principal's office, and I'm scared to death. I mean, I was frightened so badly. And she took us right into the secretary's and plopped us down. She said, you stay here until the principal comes out. And I don't want you back in my classroom until you see the principal. Okay, okay. Well, we're sitting there and five minutes goes by. Ten minutes goes by. I noticed down the hall was a bathroom. So I got an idea. I went down to the bathroom and I went into the restroom. And I'm scared and I'm thinking. And I went into the restroom and I used it. But when I was done using it, I kind of got a glorified Botox injection. Botox injection. Called toilet paper. I started shoving toilet paper down my back end. Because I was thinking this... this I, I kind of had the Kim Kardashian, no, I shouldn't say that, the injection, and I, I was shoving toilet paper down my hind end to protect the blows that I knew I was going to get. And so, I, I mean, I reused about a half a roll and down my back of my pants, and I'm walking out there like, and I sat down next to Matthew. I said, Matthew, I got an idea. We're going to get our tails whipped. Go down and shove toilet paper down your pants. It'll help relieve some of the bows that we're going to get. He did it too. So we're both sitting there, and we're sitting there just waiting. Finally, this tall, slinky guy, who is the principal, comes out, and he says, are you Raymond? Yes. Are you Matthew? Yeah. So come on in, guys. Just come on in. And we, he sits sits us down in the chair. First thing out of his mouth, he says, so I hear you guys like fire trucks. No! No, we do not like fire trucks. Fire trucks are bad. Fire trucks are thin. Fire trucks, no, no, we do not like. He says, no, 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 no. I like fire trucks too. I mean, it shocked me. 
In fact, this principal had a shelf all the way around his office with these model cars. And one of them was a fire engine. And he pulls this big old fire engine down, brings it right down to the floor, literally to the floor. And the principal says, hey, guys, come down. I'll show you something about this fire engine. This, this is really cool. Now, me and Matthew, we're thinking, what are you doing this for? We're waiting for the licking. And he's showing us his model fire truck. And he reaches in there and turns the steering wheel and it turned the wheels and he lifted up the ladder. He said, isn't this neat? Isn't this awesome? I love fire trucks too. And he's just kind of getting down there on our level. And I, I'm, I'm kind of in my brain just kind of going through shock. And I'm thinking, when's it coming? But it never came. And so what he said, he says, you know what? Firemen have a, Pretty intense, pretty important job. He says, when firemen come on a scene, they draw what they call as a fire line around their fire trucks. It's a boundary to keep people from interfering with what they're doing. He says, I know you guys didn't mean any harm, but we want to give them their space. He says, you know what? I believe the next time you'll, you'll remember this. And I remember what he did was what I'll never forget. We stood up, and he put his arms around me and Matthew, gave us a hug, and he says, we'll talk about more fire trucks some other day. And he sent us back to our class. Now, you know what that did to me? He was my best friend. That was mercy. I didn't deserve it. First thing me and Matthew did was went to the bathroom, got that toilet paper out. (laughs) But you know what was so funny? We went back to the classroom, and we were actually happy. But Mrs. Mallory wasn't. (laughs) Now, I don't know what happened, but I do know that she left the class when we came in. Because she was expecting, (laughs) we got whipped. But that didn't happen. We came back happy. And she tore out of there, went down to the principal. I think the principal's office. But she came back, and she did not talk to us the rest of the day. Well, she, she actually did, but it was just, do your homework. This is what we're doing. No communication. Now, his approach to problems and issues was mercy. And you know what? You know what he did one time? This is true. We were in the classroom, and he reaches his head in. Hey, Ray, you guys got any fire engines at home yet? Mrs. Mallory sitting there. She just got her hand right down to the boat. He said, Ray, you got any fire engines? Hey, you and Matthew, you guys got any fire engines yet? No, I still don't got a fire truck yet. He, and he just, just stuck his head. He's the president. just stuck his head. Ray, you got any fire engines yet? I'll see you later. Hey, he's gone. But you know what? That guy won my heart. My defenses fell. My whole mindset about principles changed. Seeing them as these mean, mean, ugly, horrible, they're out to get me kind of a guy. Instead, he was kind, merciful, 
And he created an atmosphere where I could relax around him. The third thing was this. Mercy attracts. I want to close with this scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. See, I want you to see this. This is about Jesus. This is about Jesus. How many believe God wants to heal us from the Mrs. Mallory impact to a healthy impact where we learn how to convey mercy? Notice what it says, verse 14. Hebrews 2.14, it says, Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God and to make an atonement or propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself suffered. Being tempted, he's able to aid those who are being tempted. Aren't you grateful for the mercy of God? He's a merciful priest. He's not out trying to hurt you. He's not out trying to hit you. He's trying to restore you. And you know what he does? Not only does he attract you, but his mercy brings the best out in us. Amen? You know what? You'll never give mercy till you receive mercy. Paul said it in Ephesians. A man cannot even love his own wife until he loves himself. But you can't love yourself until the inner core, the inner core of you is healed. So I need to ask you, how's the inner core? Are you filled with a lot of chatter, a lot of anger, a lot of discouragement? Or do you feel that you can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy? In the time where you're doing fine? No, in the time of need. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Maybe this morning you might say, you know, Pastor Ray, I've been beaten up by the enemy. The enemy has really taken and it's just plowed into me. And I don't feel very close to the Lord. I feel like I've allowed a wall to come between me and the Lord. And I feel that sin, maybe it's not sin, maybe it's just some attitudes and issues have separated me from the Lord and the blessing that he desires to put into my life. I need to experience mercy so I can show mercy. So maybe this morning you might say, you know, I I need the mercy of the Lord. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to just pray for a, a rich installment of the mercy. I see your hands. Anyone else? I just need the mercy of the Lord. Maybe you've been like that man who felt full of road rage and you're just full of rage. 
you need to know the mercy of the Lord. The mercy of God is what brings a calm, brings peace. He gives you perfect peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Maybe there's, maybe there's been a war going on. You're involved with a war that Jesus has already de- declared it's over. The war is over. You need to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Maybe you'd like prayer or an impartation. I want to just, we'd love to pray and minister over any one of you to obtain the mercy and the blessing of the Lord. Do you know that your Heavenly Father loves you more than words can be spoken? He loves you. He's a faithful high priest who was made in the likeness of man so that he could be faithful and merciful. He's not so lofty that he doesn't, he, the Bible says, so that he could be uh, uh, associated with our temptations, our afflictions, so that those walls could drop. There's walls. There's so many walls around people. We're like an onion, just layers. God wants to just bring those to disarm you so you can begin to receive and drink from Him, His mercy today. Father, we just thank You that You're a faithful God. We thank You, Lord, that You're a God who understands and knows our frame. Lord, You come... You come to restore the joy of our salvation. You come to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to proclaim a gospel to the poor, to open prison doors and to open the eyes of the blind. Father, we thank you that you desire mercy because none of us would be here without it. We ask you, Lord, that we would be recipients of that mercy so we can give that mercy to others. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to someone, give them a hug. If any of you would like prayer, I would love to pray with you. In Jesus' name, God bless you.